Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Tottenstown. Welcome to the Tottenstown Podcast, the official Tennessee Titans podcast for the Pigskin Podcast Network. My name is Tanner Staggs. I'm here, as always, with my brother, Tyler Staggs. We are recording this as of 7 p.m. on Sunday night minutes after the Tennessee Titans and Seattle Seahawks game just finished right outside of this room right now. Um, So we're going to get into that. We're going to talk all about that game. It was absolutely thrilling all the way to the end. Not so much at first, but first let's plug everything. Go ahead and start with the merch and all that stuff. (laughs) Guys, if you want to check out our merch, all you have to do is go to titans-time.my shopify that's s-h-o-p-i-f-y dot com slash collections if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast whatever platform it's on apple podcast spotify just make sure you're following or or subscribed always have trouble with that rate us five stars leave us some comments questions we love the interaction if you're watching on youtube go down that red subscribe button click it turn it gray Turn on the post notifications so you never miss when we upload a video. Like the video. Share the video. We really appreciate that, guys. I mean, you don't know how much it means to us. And also, go down, and especially on this video, leave us your comments about this game. Let us know what you thought about this game, how you thought it was going all throughout the game. I mean, right now, it's taking a lot for us to keep our excitement in. Absolutely. Uh, Also, make sure that you go ahead and check us out on social media. The ones we're most active on on Twitter, it's Titans underscore time on Facebook, Titans time and on Instagram, Titans time podcast. All right. Now let's get into talking about this game, which at first was extremely slow, especially on the Titans end. And before we dive into it too far, I mean, we, we have to say the Titans just got a big win in Seattle after looking like shit last week. Absolutely. we the, I, I completely forgot to lay out the, 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 how I guess the, game the, scene, ended. <laughs> the scene of things, the final score and all of that. Tennessee Titans win. In overtime. In Tennessee Titans fashion in overtime, 33-30. to 30. Um, Pretty sure all Titans fans sitting back, biting their nails, I mean, all the way down to where it's not even nails anymore. It's just to the bone of their fingers because we're having to rely on yet another kicker to try and win the game for us. Yeah, and and up until 
I mean, roughly about halftime, it honestly looked like it was not going to be much of a game at the end. But, um, I mean, they pulled through. They beat a very good Seattle team. Hundred, just as much credit as we can give to Seattle because they are they're good. They are good because you know we look at our schedule to open up. We had the Cardinals, then Seattle. You know, Cardinals at home, then traveling to Seattle. We thought that was tough. You look at the Colts schedule. The reason I bring them up is because they played Seattle in Week One, and then the Colts had the Rams, but Seattle had to face the Colts and Indy. They won that game, went back home. First time they've had a full stadium in well over a year, probably closing in on a year, well, a little over a year and a half. So their team's coming back, starting the season 1-0. The fans are excited to be back. It was loud. Yeah, I mean, it was. You could tell through the TV uh, that it yeah, was loud. Our TV was shaking out there because <laughs> it was so loud. But – they had a tough schedule to open up too, and they took care of business against the Colts. Like you said, the first half, it looked like they were fixing to take care of business with the Titans. They, their team's no joke, and Russell Wilson, he can still throw that deep ball. He absolutely can, <laughs> and that's one of the things that we mentioned going into the game, game preview. We said absolutely do not let these wide receivers, specifically Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, get behind the defense. You have to have something, someone, some type of plan in place to keep that from happening. Tyler Lockett does it. Um, but Tyler Lockett does it twice, uh, yeah, he I believe, maybe more. The Titans done a very good job of keeping DK Metcalf under wraps. And, and we're going to talk about that later we, on in the show will. because that was just honestly because incredible by Christian Fulton. You got to see your matchup, and overall, I'm going to say Christian Fulton definitely come out on top in this matchup. I think so. So that was something big. But like you said, our key to the game was, or a couple of keys to the game, making sure Tannehill has time back in the pocket. Keep him upright. Don't right. be constantly picking him up off the ground. And not letting Seattle connect on that deep ball. Because if you let these receivers get behind you, we said, hey, this could very quickly get up. You know, it could be over with. So before we get into actually talking about this game, let's go ahead, update the the bowl prediction counter for the season. So mine was that Derrick Henry was going to have touchdowns of three different types, rushing, passing, receiving, obviously – that didn't happen. You had you, the – You should have just stuck with a hat trick because he would have had it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I definitely should have. But we, – which still would have been a bold prediction. I don't know why I decided that I had to go so bold. <laughs> you had – especially knowing how Todd Downing is going to call our offense. He, I can't believe that you thought that Henry was going to have a passing touchdown. And Well, now that we have a little bit more of sample size of Todd Downing, we, we definitely know now he is – very generic, very cookie cutter. He's going to follow what he likes to do, and that's that's it. That's going to be that. And, and before we dive too much more into like whatever you were fixing to get into, I want to say, although we are ecstatic about this win because we thought that there was a very good chance that we could go into week three facing Indianapolis at home or in Nashville, that we would be zero and two. I mean, we really thought that there would. We knew that that was a very good possibility, right? And then lost my train of thought here. I, I know it's, <laughs> it, 
Honestly, us coming oh, straight off of the game has kind of got us a little bit. Now, now I'm getting back to where I was. Here. While we are ecstatic about this win, there are still some other things we have to touch on that need to be fixed. Absolutely, and play, play calling is one of them because you would think after we started out last week so slow. I mean, it was. Let's sit, not let's not be angry. Sitting let's, in. Let's the, not be angry. <laughs> let's not be angry. Well, here here's why I want to be a little bit angry about it because sitting in the stands last week against the Cardinals, you knew coming out it was. I mean, it was run, run, pass. It, it was easy to figure out. So you think coming into this game, maybe, just maybe, he has paid attention to what all the fans are saying. He knows that teams are going to be selling out on first and second down to stop Derrick Henry. And what does he do? He runs the ball with Derrick Henry right up the middle. Well, the first mistake there is that even if the offensive coordinator is not making great decisions, he certainly should never be listening to the fans. 100%. And you don't think he should have went play action first play? I, here, what I'm saying is that you're you're probably right that running Derrick Henry doesn't need to be so predictable. But I, I get where you're coming from because if you listen to the fans, us included, we can definitely overreact sometimes. Exactly. But- That's where I'm coming from. That's where I'm coming from. <laughs> So, anyways, let's get into talking about this game. Um, starting off, I mean, very slow game, really. It, it um, was. The Seahawks come out. They they were kind of slow at first. The Titans uh, offensively were also slow. I think a lot of that was probably some of the shock from this stadium. I mean, it was loud. It's probably – this was, was probably one of the loudest games out of these first two weeks of the season, if not the loudest. So probably a little bit of shock there. You could tell there was some confusion when the Titans were on offense. Um, That led to, I want to say maybe a penalty early, and yeah, it was a it was a penalty early. early, Correct for uh, who for for the Titans? That's what I'm talking about right now. Obviously. Um. Anyways, regardless, it led to some miscommunication early, and the same thing kind of it was it was also sort of bothering the Seahawks on defense a little bit. but It, it was. I, I think that's what you're thinking of is maybe earlier on the Seahawks had an encroachment. Right. Uh, um, because I even made the comment in overtime when the Titans got flagged for a false start, I believe that was their only false start penalty of the game. Right. It didn't come until overtime, and as loud as that stadium was, that is, that's saying something. Right, especially with Taylor Lewan, one being pretty much – just a couple hours before the game being ruled out. Ruled out, yep. And then Roger Saffold in and out of the game. Um, and obviously, Quesenberry starting at right tackle, which ha- has been normal for this year. But anyways, regardless, it's just kind of a, a jumble of things I going mean, on there in we the got, offensive line. We got down to some backup offensive linemen again. And in a place like Seattle, as loud as it is, if mistakes are going to happen as far as penalties and false starts you think that that's i mean that's prime time for it to happen right and they done a very good job of coming in and not letting that happen um so then the seahawks things finally started to get rolling uh, seahawks get a field goal titans go down and get a field goal and then things kind of started to break open for the seahawks from there the the, the titans did take the lead six to three they did but then it just kind of started really going the Seahawks way um they took the lead by at least two possessions and then probably one of the major turning points there in the middle of the game um 
Uh, it was coming up on halftime. Tennessee Titans are getting down into Seahawks territory. Throw up a pass into the back of the end zone. Julio Jones comes down with it. I'm going to say inbounds. Um, he was inbounds. There's, I, there is no way, no way they had enough proof to overturn it. Now, if they would have, I'm going to say this, if they would have called it incomplete from the start, then they could have made the argument of, you know, with his foot that it was possibly out of bounds and kept that call. Right. But when you call it a touchdown, I just, I think whichever way you called it, it has to stand in that situation. Yeah, because it, it was so close and the camera angles as, so the angles were good. But once you zoomed in, it was so hard to distinguish between the cleats and the sideline. It was just so close that, honestly, like you said, the fact of it being called a touchdown in the beginning, right? you just can't go back and overturn that. And I'm not complaining, obviously, because the Tennessee Titans did end up winning. But I did think that that was a bad call. Um, Now, Granted, don't think that the Titans were treated unfairly in this game at all because the Seahawks had 10 penalties for 100 yards. They did have 10 penalties. Um, I wanted to touch on that a little bit because there were, for a little while, until you ended up realizing that the Seahawks finished the game with like 10 penalties, it looked like they were missing some calls as far as the Titans' side. Early on, A.J. Brown probably could have went up and had a chance at a ball for a touchdown. And it looked to me like the cornerback or safety, whoever was on him, was draped all over him. Didn't give him a chance to go up and get it. There was no flag there. But then you come back later, the Seahawks driving down the field. I think this one was the one right before uh, halftime because they ended up going up 24-9. to And... It was when Chris Jackson got called for pass interference on Tyler Lockett. Right. Granted, it. I'm trying to think back to it now. I think he, there was some pass interference there. But if you're going to throw the flag on that one, all I ask for in return is that you treat it the same when A.J. Brown is getting hugged by his defender. Well, I think in hindsight, the I, I, I believe personally this was a very sloppy game by both teams. I think that both teams were – honestly, there probably could have been 12 or 15 penalties caught on each team in this game. Um, so I feel like in the moment of the game, I know for me personally, it's easy to miss what should be called penalties for the Titans and then see every single time what should be called penalties for the other team. So right. then you're kind of like, well, they're missing a lot here that should be called in the Titans' favor, but also – me personally, I don't know if any if anyone else is this way at all. I'm assuming that they are because it's just kind of human nature. You you don't see those on the other side of well that should have been called against the Titans there and it wasn't. Right. Um, but regardless, what you were talking about, um, the Seahawks were on the eleven, and there was pass interference obviously in the end zone which put them at the one, set up an easy Chris Carson rushing touchdown. Um, I, I mean, was it a bad call? No, it could have went either way. Also see where you're coming from, though, where if you're going to let them get away with what happened on the A.J. Brown play, you probably should keep that calling consistent. Right. And so there was just some things about the officiating that I feel like it could have been better just all throughout the game. 
Going back to the Julio touchdown just for a minute, though, this is kind of going to be like one of those. Touch, touchdown. This is going to be one of those uh, Dez Bryant up in Lambeau yeah, type yeah. deals. Dez called it. Julio called it. He he was in and trying to figure out the rule of what makes makes it a completed catch because if he would have just toe-tapped and picked his feet up right quick, it would have been ruled an easy touchdown. But since his toe hit and his heel was following, even though he had already got his uh, other foot down, I mean, I think about catches along the sidelines. I'm not going to go as far as saying just like the toe tap where, you know, they drag their toes or just touch their toes down right quick because that one doesn't really do it justice, I don't feel like. But when a player is falling towards the sidelines and maybe they're they have one foot touch and then their hip hits and then the rest of their body hits out of bounds. As long as their hip hits first, it's still a completed pass or a completed catch. Two points of contact. So why, whenever he gets one foot down and then his toes down, does it matter where his heel comes? Well, here's what I'm going to say. I am absolutely going to be the first to say that this is absolutely a stupid rule. This is probably one of the dumbest rules that I've ever heard in the history of NFL rules. Um, when so it's just so ridiculous that the point that you made, if they get the two toes down and then pick their feet up and end up falling out of bounds, then that's a completed that's a touchdown. Right, easy easy ruling. They probably watched that for five seconds. That's a touchdown. But when the toe comes down, hits first with the heel up, to me, that establishes possession in the end zone. And yep. then anything past that, if the heel comes down out of bounds, that's essentially just the receiver running out of bounds, basically. Right. And even if he would have picked that foot up one more time and touched his toes down, like right before he stepped out of bound, or out of the back of the end zone touched his toes down again, and then his heel went down, it still would have been ruled a touchdown because, two, like you said, two feet down and then... But the initial one foot down, the second foot comes down, never leaves, stays on the turf, rolls down, and the heel comes arguably down out of bounds. In that case, apparently, the rule is that it's out of bounds. Again, with the initial ruling, though, there there was not enough to overturn it, that. It was just but too close. We could we could talk about that all night. Let's get back to talking about how the Titans turned this game around. And obviously, we would love to be more hype for the on this podcast, especially for the people watching on YouTube. But everyone listening to the audio podcast, we don't want to bust your eardrums <laughs> out with how excited we actually are. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember our videos last season. We would definitely be. Oh, a lot more vocal about everything, but talking right into these microphones, I definitely it, not the greatest. It, it idea. brings us down a little bit. It does, and honestly, that's not always a bad thing. It's not. It let, it gives us a minute to actually think about what we're trying to say. So I'm pretty much going to say that Derrick Henry, um, in the second half, pretty much the reason that the Titans come back and win this game. He took over, but we do have to give credit to the defense. In the second half, they did give up another long touchdown. I mean, there was two long, tu- there was two long completed passes in the first half, 
we've seen it on the drive where Seattle kicked their first field goal. Wilson connected with Lockett deep, and we were like, okay, you you need to stop letting that happen right now. And then we see Elijah Molden get matched up against Tyler Lockett. You have McDougal back there playing safety. And for the Seahawks' first touchdown, Russell Wilson unleashes the deep ball. Molden can't keep up with Lockett. He just evades both of their tackles. He's in the end zone. And Honestly, then, that was just, that was just a terrible play. It, it um, was, but the reason because I, McDougal should have been in a better position to make that tackle after Molden missed his. He should have. But the reason I brought all that back up was because in the second half, yes, which we're going to say this, we did not get to see that play for some reason. Hulu decided to be stupid and say that that channel wasn't available. We could go to any other channel and it would play. I, the broadcast but, had to have been messed up in some way. So um, we didn't actually get to see what happened on that long touchdown. We just know that the Titans' defense allowed another long touchdown. And it was described as a blown coverage. So, so Swain, they, the 68-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter, the first touchdown of the fourth quarter. Um, and then from there, but it was all Tennessee Titans. That's what I was going. That's the point I was going to get to. We have to give some credit to the defensive adjustments that the Titans made because the Seahawks scored 24 points in the first half and only had six in the second half. And it didn't come until the early fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. And um, then even in overtime, kept them from going anywhere. Should have had a walk-off safety should have to win a, the game. Well, see, I I don't know. That's another one of those weird, quirky rule things that it, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's it's typical for the NFL. I mean, that kind of stuff, <laughs> it, it seems like it happens all the time. But anyways, um, Derek Henry, 35 rushes for 182 yards and three touchdowns. Insane. Would have had my bowl prediction come true if I didn't specify rushing, passing, receiving. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and, I, for one, want to be the first person to come out and to say – that as right as I was about Christian Fulton, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, I was wrong about Derrick Henry and the the fact that I said that he does not have these types of games early in the season. And I actually had not even thought about that out there because I was so invested in the Titans game and so excited when Henry broke off his long touchdown run. And I have to say, uh, one of his uh, score... His first touchdown, I believe it was only like a nine-yard touchdown. But he ran but, about probably 50. Yeah, I mean, he reversed field because the play was going to his right, and he got over there, and he was like, man, there's just there's nothing here. So he stopped, switched the ball over, changed his direction, went back to the left side of the field, got in. That play by itself was was great by him. It it was a little bit of a spark. But then his long touchdown run, you just you felt the energy kind of change whenever that happened because you're like, okay, this could be the Titans chance right here to mount a comeback and possibly pull this game out. And it was, and they capitalized on it. Um and in the end, I mean, Derrick Henry was he was a vital part of overtime as well and anyone who 
had watched our game preview show, seen me and you go back and forth. You like to push my buttons, get me riled up. And we even had someone comment on it and say, you know, what's wrong with him saying that Henry doesn't have those types of games early in the season? Because and, in t- typically, you have to admit, that is pretty accurate. And I did comment back to him. I was like, look, nothing's wrong with him saying that we're just brothers going back and forth on this, like to push each other's buttons. But whenever you brought it up out there, I was like, you did say that. And I, I made the point to you on our game preview that, Henry always has the chance that he's going to bust one of those big runs, and he he does he definitely does have that chance. I mean, we saw that today, just with a running back of his caliber, his size, his ability to break tackles, and then you you add in his speed with that as well. There's and just to to end that one long run off, stiff arming that guy <laughs> his head into the dirt. And I mean, you do have to admit that's not typical for him early in the season. He he normally starts that up later he does but and i'm trying to remember the stat that i seen out there uh it was about henry's rush rush yards and usually when he has a game like what he had a last game week, of under 62 yards he, he's followed it up with like three 200 yard right rushing well, games now and, now it was two 200 yard games and then now with this 180 yard game oh all right i i thought it was three of them but anyway he got close to 200 again, but he had 35 carries, but we also seen Ryan Tannehill throw the ball 40 times, complete 27 of those for 347 yards. But And granted, would have been a lot more. He didn't have a whole lot of help at times from his receivers. There was a lot of drops. That's one of the issues that needs to be fixed. It, um, it is, and this is all the praise we've been giving him. And called a couple people out. Got to call AJ Brown out because Julio dropped a couple of passes, and even Chester Rogers dropped a couple. But AJ Brown just—he was the main culprit. Something was wrong today. He just could not pull. Listen, he has had that issue in the past. He had that issue last season. Later on in in the season, Um, but he got it fixed pretty. Pretty quick. And I would assume that he'll do that again this season. Um, But, I mean, I would say he's probably good for one or two games of having those drop issues. Uh, Now, Julio Jones, on the other hand, had a fantastic game. Uh, Six receptions for 128 yards. Obviously, Ryan Tannehill didn't have any touchdowns. Um, Derrick Henry took care of all of that. But Julio Jones, a lot of times, really just made – he made some clutch catches – he made catches that set up um, good field position for these Henry runs. Um, all in all, this was his coming out game for the Tennessee Titans. It I mean, was. Because you, last week, to me, that was not, uh, I don't know, something about it didn't seem right. Um, Julio just wasn't all that involved. Neither was A.J. Brown. They weren't targeted a lot. Something with the offense just seemed off. It was good well, to again, see part him of- being this involved. Part of that was also the fact that Ryan Tannehill had no time. And I, I agree. Today, I want to say, I believe, how many sacks? There was Tann- three. That Tannehill got sacked three times. And you could make the argument that a couple, you know, maybe one of those times he held on to the ball just a little too long. Like, he, he probably should have done something. I feel like a couple more times when they got to him, Nate Davis gave up a sack to Bobby Wagner that 
was horrendous. Tannehill took a hard shot, and I'm like, Davis, what are you doing? Why are you trying to double-team the guy that Jones is on whenever you see Wagner coming? Like, don't let him get a free shot at your quarterback. So, And then Tannehill did get uh, sacked and lose the ball. And and I made the point then – I know Tannehill has taken shots on these sacks a lot of times, especially when they're coming from his blind side. But he is very, very prone to give up, cough up the ball almost every single time that happens coming from the blind side. And that's the crazy thing is last year he only lost one fumble. And this year he's already lost three. Three, yeah. So Um, that's something else that needs to be addressed as well. I agree. Um, obviously keeping them from coming on that blind side would would be the best way to do that, but it's going to happen occasionally. But you talked about this being Julio Jones' game, coming out game as a Titan. He had he caught six of his eight targets. The long was for 51 yards, had 128 total yards, averaged over 21 yards a catch, and should have had a touchdown to top it off. But Right. And... What about Henry showing that he is a pass-catching running back? Hey, sixth, second best receiver on the team for the, for this game. Caught all six of his targets for 55 yards. I mean... <laughs> kind of speaks for itself there. There's not really... I mean, not a whole lot to say about it. And I want to make this point because we didn't earlier. We had some key guys out this game. I mean, Lawan, like you said, he was scratched before the game. Then we didn't have Ferkser. He was ruled out. Um, Brown. <laughs> I, I, had to um, think, I, I yeah. had to think for a minute. <laughs> but Jayon Brown was ruled out. We knew Caleb Farley was ruled out Friday because he didn't even make the trip with the yep. team. But some of these guys that were out, we had to wonder what's going to happen with our tight ends. And Nicole Pruitt and or Michael Pruitt. Michael. Our, Michael Pruitt. I, I, I mean, that's the way I say it anyways. <laughs> he he stepped up. Swain had a couple catches. Hudson had a catch. And, you know, you just you like to see these guys actually get out there and produce a little bit since Ferkser wasn't there because Ferkser is definitely out of the tight ends, Tannehill's favorite target. Yeah, I mean, there were certainly questions going into that about, I mean, really – how that would go without Ferkser. I mean, obviously, he's the leading tight end on the team. Um, it it seemed okay, honestly. I mean, there didn't seem to be any times that I was like, man, that would not happen if Ferkser were on the field. Um, maybe the whole Michael Pruitt get, mixing it up a little bit situation, maybe that wouldn't happen. But honestly, that resulted in a penalty against the Seahawks. So it did. you and can't really fault him for that. You, As long as... You know they're not going overboard and getting penalties called on them for this stuff. You'd like to see that fight in these guys. I mean that's that's what we needed this game. We needed that toughness and that fight. You know, just wanting to fight for your team and do everything you you can and get in the other guy's head. And speaking of that, I want to move to one thing that I mean I mentioned this matchup last week. You know. Uh, so I want to go ahead and get into that because he definitely had some fight and he was definitely able to get into someone's head. Christian Fulton on DK Metcalf. He was able to hold Metcalf to six catches for 53 yards. He was absolutely in his head. 
You could tell, especially in the first half, you could tell that Metcalf was frustrated. Honestly, hilarious moment for the game. Metcalf is literally furious. He just got his his penalty, and uh, I believe it was the holding penalty, correct? Yes. Yeah, so he just got his holding penalty. He's got the blue hair, and they're explaining on TV why he's got the blue hair, <laughs> and it's because he's got to keep a cool head, and he's literally fuming on the sidelines. Yeah, you, you can see his hair turning red because he's, he's burning up so much and ready to get at Christian Fulton. And, I mean, even on that holding penalty – he probably could have got an unnecessary roughness penalty as well because, for one, you get the holding, Titans end up making the tackle, and he's driving Christian Fulton all the way over to the Seahawks bench, you know, just still holding him, getting in his face, this and that. I was a little bit worried that maybe Christian Fulton would get called for something because you see him finally get tired of it and react, and usually it's the second guy who gets called. Yeah. So I mean, that's just kind of the way it goes with those unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Uh, but anyways, Christian Fulton, I mean, he played well last week. Obviously had a huge matchup ahead of him this week with DK Metcalf. And he lived up to it. I mean, he played great, in my opinion. And he's starting to solidify himself, at, uh, in my mind, as the number one corner on the team. And as far as the catches that Metcalf had... I don't know that any of them were technically on Fulton. And Fulton had a good pass breakup against him. Metcalf going down the sidelines. Fulton maybe could have played a little bit better because he didn't get his head around like he was trying to make a play on the ball. And I was afraid that the officials might give the receiver the benefit of the doubt and throw the flag. But Fulton got right in there on Metcalf, made Metcalf had to have to try and bring the ball in with one hand. And if Metcalf would have caught it, it would have been a like amazing catch if he somehow caught it. But Fulton just disrupted it, and like you said, he was in Metcalf's head all game long. And he was able, to honestly, to, to have really good coverage when it mattered the most late in the game and in overtime. I mean, he, and he really shut Metcalf down in overtime. That was one thing I was seeing about that blown coverage, the play that we missed, is – people were talking about that possibly could have been uh, Fulton that was supposed to be back there. So if that was the case, then there's his mistake right. of the game. But we don't know because, again, we didn't get to see that play. We won't know until we'll, we go back and watch yeah, here we'll, in a couple of days. We'll go back and watch it and maybe address it on our game preview for the Colts. Yeah, um, so I want to talk about now um, – and unless there's anything to, that you want to hit on with the Seahawks, or I don't know, you're kind of you're kind of looking I, through, scrolling through there. I was going to get into the um, I, what do we call it, key players, whatever. I, uh, I want to touch on the defense a little bit more because while yes, the defense is giving up points this year again, I feel like they're doing better on third downs. I don't. What, what not was, last week. I mean. Well, what was their percentage this week? This week on third downs, they were... What were the Seahawks? Seahawks were 4 of 12. So, so that, that that honestly, not bad at all. That's improvement from last year's team. But even though they're giving up points... The Cardinals, they, however, were 7 for 13. So I, I, I thought that, that they didn't do great last week. 
Um, in my opinion, that's not great. I mean, that's it, it, it's not it's the over fifty percent, right? But we're actually getting to the quarterback now, getting pressure. We had pressure on Kyler Murray last week, just couldn't couldn't get him down. They were able they, to get some sacks on Russell Wilson. They done a lot better this week. They had three sacks. You had Simmons with a half sack. You had Danico Autry with one and a half sacks, and then you had. Ola, I'm not even going to attempt his last name. He had a sack. So you like seeing that. And towards the end of the game, Bud Dupree was able to get after Russ and keep him from slinging a ball downfield. He hit his arm as Russ's arm was going forward. So, you know, we're doing a lot better job at getting pressure on the quarterback. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, It looks like the defense is trending in the right direction. So, still a couple of things here and there, obviously, to fix. Um, I mean, honestly, pass rush is looking good. Um, there's some aspects of the secondary that are looking good. I think Kevin Byard is very much improved over last season. Uh, Christian Fulton, he's looking great. With the corners, as you go down from Christian Fulton, it starts to get a little bit shaky, so it's Going to be interesting to see how that plays out over these next couple of weeks. But overall, Jenkins has been doing pretty good as far as his open field tackles. To me, with him, you're you're going to get what you're going to get. Um, Well, and that's why I'm not saying necessarily that his coverage is that great because the Seahawks' first drive when they had to settle for a field goal, really that should have been a touchdown to Lockett right there. Rush just missed the throw because he was rolling towards the sidelines. But what I was meaning is he made some good open field tackles on Metcalf. Metcalf tried to hit him with a stiff arm one time, and he just ate the stiff arm and pulled Metcalf down with him. So that's something that last year I feel like our corners would have missed that open field tackle right. on, on some of the ones that he's making. Right. So – um. I would agree. I mean, I would obviously rather them keep the receiver from getting the ball in the first place before having to make that open field tackle. Uh, to me, Jenkins is fine as long as Christian Fulton is playing good football and is the number one corner. But if Jenkins ever has to become the number one corner for your team, to me, that is where you say, okay, this we got to do something here. Because, to, I mean, he's just not a number one corner, in my opinion. Now, you wanted to get to our key players – I'll let you go first. Who is your key player for the offense? I'm going to make it easy for you because I'm going to say that the well offense. Uh, I mean, he, this guy's scoring points. I'm going to go with Randy Bullock, um, just because. I mean, we don't do a key player for special teams. We do one for <laughs> offense and defense, and I wanted to include Randy Bullock. Um, so they needed a kicker. Kicking has been terrible for like 15 years now. It seems like. Um, I mean, obviously going back going back to what, two, three seasons ago, to be realistic, like kicking has literally sucked. <laughs> and Randy Bullock comes in. Obviously he did miss one. We also missed that on TV as well. Um, but I mean, he kicks the game winner. He's what, three for four? Isn't that how how it's been going over the past couple of years? I mean, a guy comes a in guy, a guy misses one or two throughout the game, and then we give him a chance at a game winner, and he makes it. Yeah. So, so anyways, I, I wanted to give it to him. I know he's not an offensive player, but we don't do one for special teams. So Okay, well, he'll be an honorable mention. 
Okay. I'll still well, let you have another offensive player. Well, then I'm going to go Julio Jones because I don't want to take Derrick Henry. Well, um, and here's the thing. If you went Derrick Henry, I was going to go Julio. So Either way, those are, I feel like, our top two performers. Yeah. I mean, yes, Tannehill had the passing yards, only got sacked. Yeah, don't get times. me wrong. Tannehill was great. But the, there were a couple of, you know, plays that you're like, uh, yeah. oh, okay. Uh, I mean, and might need to work on his slide a little bit when he's running. Right. But <laughs> he's not used to that. He's in that wide receiver mode still, I guess, and just trying to run down the field and take the hit. Yeah. And honestly, he's fast. I mean, he's but fast and he athletic. Is, but he needs, he's got a little bit of that Marcus Mariota type where he needs to know when he's done enough and can easily <laughs> like get down without getting into danger and then having to get down. But mentioning Julio and Derrick Henry, I mean, you have Henry with the three touchdowns, 182 yards. He, he got him back into this game. Julio had the plays to help out downfield. We needed one of our top receivers to show up and produce. The game where we actually get both of them to show up and produce, teams are probably going to be in trouble. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but I, I was thinking during this game, just kind of a side note that I want to throw out. Yes, the so we kind of – you mentioned before the season started, who is going to stop this trio? Derrick mm-hmm. Henry, Julio Jones, and A.J. Brown. Well, what the Titans have in star power, basically, playmakers. I mean, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. I mean, that those are stars. Those are – Great playmakers. What they have in that, it was just apparent to me during this game. They lack on fundamental parts of the game. Offensive line depth, um, secondary depth with the cornerbacks. I mean, when, when guys were – when Tyler Lockett specifically was just – looked like it was he was easily getting behind the secondary. I was just like – Come on, it it's got to be better than this. I mean, this is the one thing coming in that you knew couldn't happen. So, well, I, you know, that's jumping to the defense. We asked who was going to stop the offense, and like you mentioned, the offensive line, but also our offensive play calling. Yeah, well, I mean, what I'm, what, all I'm saying there is what you what you give up. I guess the trade off there for that star power is you lose a little bit where you maybe could have added. Um, to some fundamental parts of the game. I mean, offensive line depth, I mean, that's honestly what put Tannehill, not even depth, because Taylor Lewan played a bad game. That put Tannehill, obviously, in a bad situation last week, and then the second. Anyways, you get my point there. I, I do, but the reason I feel like we have, going back to our key players, I've already mentioned what Henry done, but the reason I feel like you have to go with Julio over Tannehill is because we cannot have Chester Rogers being our leading receiver. You know, just some of these other guys, we cannot have them being our leading receiver for a game. It needs to be Julio or AJ. One of those guys has to lead our team. And Julio stepped up. He knew that he messed up last week, especially with that penalty that pushed us back, probably stopped some momentum. And he come out this game and... You could just you knew he was going to make it a point to try and go off, and he ended up with a a pretty good day. Yeah, I agree. 
Now, defensive side of the ball. Uh, defensive side of the ball, my guy is going to be Danico Autry. I oh, thought wow. he was. I thought he was spectacular, getting pressure. Um, and then once he got back there, he was able to get Wilson down. I mean, he had the one sack, and then he also assisted on the sack with Jeffrey Simmons. So, I thought he played a great game. Um, the bull rush on Disley was absolutely beautiful for him to get that first sack. Uh, and I was surprised. I mean, I'd kind of forgotten about him a little bit. I know I was super excited about him this off season when he first got on the team. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how he can continue to, to fit into this, this defense. All right. I'm going to, I don't know if you were trying to throw me a lob there by leaving Christian Fulton out there. But I, I kind of have thrown you a lob on both sides of the ball here. But I'm not going to do that because specifically because I don't. We don't I mean, know I'm making what, it easy for you. Here. We don't know what happened on that one play. I'm going to go with Harold Landry. Actually, yeah, he played a great game too. We've been seeing him the last two games really get after the quarterback. Granted, he's not. He hasn't. He had one sack, I think, against the Cardinals. Didn't get one this game. But he is getting back there and getting pressure. And that's what we need. We don't need quarterbacks having all day to stand back there for our secondary to just fall apart. And then, you know, they hit a guy. They're going to have to make decisions quick. And that's what we need. That's what Harold Landry has been making them do. Yeah, I I agree. I think he played a great game. Um, All in all, just glad to see a Titans win here. I mean, it was a tough game all the way to the end at times saddening game i mean a lot of people were not giving the titans a chance in this game not trying to call you out you had them losing which was i really did think that they would which i understood because in our like i said when i done the season breakdown i had the titans beating the cardinals and then losing in seattle just because you have to travel out west and they normally don't do well in that then you look at everyone they had out it it was going to be a tough game for them some Going back to our game preview show, we threw some other people's score predictions out there. The majority of them were Seahawks winning. And even the national media, pretty much everyone was picking the Seahawks because they didn't see the Titans having a chance. And that's usually when the Titans end up showing up and somehow winning a game. And they did. It was good to see them be able to battle it out and end up winning. And once again, I mean, Seahawks are a really, really good team. So... Definitely not no uh, knocks on them. I mean, no, not taking anything away from them. Absolutely this game not. They, Honestly, it just makes me happier that the Titans were able to beat them because they are a good team. It makes me feel good about how this team responds after getting embarrassed week one. Right, and now we just gotta make sure we keep this momentum rolling and go get a division win against the Colts this next week in Nashville. Absolutely, and to hear our game preview for that game, make sure that you check in. Uh, make sure you're, su- you're subscribed to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Give that subscribe button. Uh, uh, Derek Henry stiff arm. Also the post <laughs> notification button. And that way you'll get a notification and you'll know when we post that game preview. Uh, we're excited for that game. Thanks for listening. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show. This has been Titans time. And as always, tighten up.